airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, we appreciate you tuning in. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. Mm-hmm. We will try to do our best to get around to calls today. And I'll do my best to be a little more measured as I wrap up the show. Um, because, you know, sometimes you have a little, you, you get a little bit um, heated. Right. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> you know me. He's like, yeah, that's I do. <laughs> um, no, I just, it's not, I'm not angry at people, but I, I am, I am unapologetically angry at the various philosophies that have infiltrated the church and made victims. Uh, I mean, we're looking at, you know, carcasses in the wake of philosophies that have infiltrated the church and successfully overtaken, which probably was like the final frontier. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying to say that that's happened everywhere and in every church, please understand me well, but I am saying that there's been enough headway made that what we don't recognize today is that when we talk about the church, we have, we are talking about something that is largely compromised. When we talk about the visible church, um, and and without going into too much church history, mm-hmm. this is right about the point where there's a call for a reformation. Hey, we got to get back to the basics. Mm. The visible church has been compromised. The visible church has been compromised. We got to get back to the basics. All right, and and that's sort of like the the driving sentiment. Um, if you will, of course, there's a lot more to unpack there, but we talk about the Reformation. And so I think there's a call even now, um, or there needs to be a call that the visible church has been compromised. We've got to get back to the basics, um, what what we commonly see out front and what we've come to expect or, you know, kind of define as yeah. the church in America. Yeah. It's been compromised, Will. Like yeah. it's not, it's not, we're, we're not all talking about the same things anymore. You're right. And I feel like this is a moment where we as the, you know, body of Christ, it's almost like I feel like we need to shake ourselves because yeah. it's so easy to get, you know, so apathetic or not to see. And I, and, and the prayer should be for individuals, I believe, uh, in the body of Christ to have discernment, to mm-hmm. know and yep. to see exactly what's going on and ask the Lord uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. How am I supposed to to um, uh, help you know, the body of Christ. What yes. am I supposed to be doing right now? How am I supposed to be praying? Because, man, a lot of things are happening right under our noses, you know, as 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 the church is concerned. I'm like, man, it, it feels like that there, there needs to be like a wake up, like mm-hmm. a, a shake, you know? Yes. Yes. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100 percent. Like I that's 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 almost <laughs> uh, almost literally what we need. Just and, and, and I'll I'll say spiritually speaking, I think that is what is happening to the church in the United States of America. I think there is a shaking that's happening to the church and people who are reading their Bibles and who are sharpening their discernment because they're reading their Bibles, because they are praying, because the spirit of God is active in their lives. You see it. You see it. And 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 I think it's something that we cannot deny. I want to start with with this backdrop. So today um, our discussion 
is to admit that Will and I were wrong. And uh, whenever we're wrong, we will say we're wrong. And so today we want to say we want to admit that we were wrong um, about the narrative that would be used. <laughs> Look, some people started salivating. They're like, yeah, I knew it. Knew it. Yes. What were you wrong about? Not anything that we said in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so come back. Come back another day. All right. Because, you know, uh, no, but but we were wrong about the narrative that would be used. Um, this was the topic of discussion years ago. I went back. I pulled I even wrote an article on it. Man, it seems a lot. I'm digging through archives on the stand, <laughs> yeah. getting these articles <laughs> going back. The same things uh, were know. going on, you know. Good grief. Came Five and six around. years of just going back and looking at That's this right. stuff and just saying, whoa. You know, and, and this is why even yesterday, Will, when we had this conversation, I'm saying, I hope I'm wrong. But yeah. I don't think I am. But the thing is, I think right now is a more opportune time. <laughs> Speaking right. of biblical terms and the enemy. Yeah. Like back and then. Circling thing, back. Exactly. Things were happening and you saw, you know, these, you know, uh entities rising up and these sentiments. But man, I don't I don't think it was the perfect time. Now they have like the perfect storm and it's like an opportune time and there's a lot of traction, you know, behind mm-hmm. these different uh thought processes that's going on today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so so that's what we want to discuss uh, today, this more opportune time that we're in. And just to say that we were wrong um, five years ago, but we were wrong only about the narrative that would be used. And so here we are. We'll, we'll draw some parallels here. I'm going to refer back to an article that I wrote back in 2015. And the reason I say we were wrong is because usually what would happen is I'd write an article, then we would have a conversation around that on right. the air. We talk about those thoughts and mm-hmm. and where we see things going and, and what could potentially happen. Um but let, let me also say this. Yesterday, we were talking about um, the offspring of critical theory, critical race theory, yeah. and it has been wildly successful in the United States of America. And, and I'm, I'm exploring right now. There's really kind of been um, a convergence of um, platforms, opportunities, um, methods that have really made it possible for critical race theory to spread wildly outside of academia. Mm. This this was really just sort of housed in academia. Of course, that wasn't the aim. The aim was that it would spread. But I think that there are different um, uh, outlets that have caused for this to spread and proliferate the way that it has, uh, even reaching and, unfortunately, uh, breaching the, 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 the doorpost of the church, mm. these, these destructive philosophies. Uh, yesterday, we were talking about Critical race theory using, and, and this is so important for the setup today, all right? Yesterday we were talking about critical race theory using as its methodology, or, and I put it in quotes, science, mm-hmm. all right? Science, um, narrative or storytelling or experience, mm-hmm. all right? So that's the basis upon which critical theory is founded, that we have an issue. How do we know we have an issue? Well, based on these anecdotes, Based on this experience I've had, based on this story I'm about to tell you, then now we're talking about facts because of this experience. Okay, mm-hmm. so that is what um, that is what characterizes uh, critical race theory as a philosophy that is to be accepted, adopted, and adhered to, and it's <laughs> happening in our country. And again, just to make sure that so that we're all on the same page, we are talking about what we're witnessing in the United States of America is the proliferation of an academic philosophy, Mm. an academic philosophy that relies heavily on opinion and anecdote. 
And remember, when you have opinion and anecdote Mm -hmm. as sort of like the ruling pillars of any type of philosophical position, there's no room for intellect. There's no room for logic. There's no room for discourse. Now, all this, it's it's sort of, it's like... um, it's it's like, you know, from The Incredibles, the guy, uh, the, the bad guy at the end of the first Incredibles when he's like, you caught me monologuing. Syndrome. He's just syndrome. <laughs> thank you. You know, it's like that's what everybody wants to be doing right, right. now. They want right. to be caught monologuing. Man. Let me tell you about my experience. And there's no way you can combat that with a counter experience because we just keep racing to the bottom. Mm. Who's got it the worst? You know, who's who's had it the toughest in, in right. the United States of America? So, um. Keep that in the back of your mind, all right? Because here, okay, so let's look at the scriptures now, right? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, we have read this scripture repeatedly on this program over the years, repeatedly, repeatedly. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Mm. Man, it's amazing how the word of God reads us like that, right? I mean, yeah. I, it's almost like its author knows us. <laughs> right? I mean, the word of God just reads our mail, goes into your box and like just opens up your mail and just reads it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read it again, right? The word of God reads us, Amen. searches us and convicts us, right? We are living in a moment right now where not only is it popular, but it is accepted And I'll go a step further. It is expected that your tantrums, your tantrums are weighted by your own personal feelings, your Mm. personal experience. Right. So now what you're expressing, your outcries and all of these things, Mm -hmm. the way you validate that is Mm -hmm. with your anecdotes. It's with your stories. Okay, so everybody step up to the mic. You're going to have an opportunity to tell your story. Yeah. Okay, and and you're going to be able to elicit a certain amount of sympathy. And then that's going to turn into action. All right. And if people don't agree with you, hey, that's hateful and they deserve to be canceled. If people if people say your your personal experience is is not legitimate, if they say it's not valid, then those people deserve to be canceled. Because right now we are caught up in a culture where the only thing that matters is the best narrative, Hmm. the best story. That's that's it. That's the only thing that matters. Again, Proverbs chapter 18, verse two, a fool. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. There was a time when we all understood or we all agreed that a conversation, that a dialogue had as its expected end understanding. No more. No more. People will say to you in common conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I see that. I understand that. That makes sense. But let me tell you what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Let me t- let me tell you about my experience. OK, and, and that's going to be where ultimately the foundation of your conversation comes to rest on their experience, mm-hmm. what they feel, what they think. All right. Now, uh, back in July of 2015, <laughs> back in July of 2015, we saw um, sort of mob rule take place uh, in South Carolina. Uh, where the Confederate flag was removed from a federal building. Um, But this was after, you know, the mob kind of mounted up and you had the girl climbing up and everything and all of this stuff. You know, uh, Nikki Haley, I think, was governor at the time. And um, she oversaw the removal of the Confederate flag. Right now, 
what I don't want this to turn into, but look, I'm bold enough to stand behind my opinion and my commentary. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have a conversation about the Confederate flag, but anybody who wants to have that conversation with me, send me an email. Let's go. <laughs> Let's talk about it. And, and look, my first question will be for you. Are you a Christian? That's my question, because any conversation we have about any position we take in culture, first and foremost, is determined by what I say about who Jesus Christ is. Amen. And it's and it's determined by what I want my engagement to be within the body of Christ. The world can be burning down around us. And yes, I want to offer them aid, but I want to secure my mask first. Mm -hmm. And so that means within the context of the body of Christ, I want to talk about what it is that we have on biblical authority. For how we respond to each other. Amen. All right. So put that in your back pocket and we can talk about that at a later date. That's not what I want to talk about today. But I want to talk about an observation that I made back in 2015 when we saw the Confederate flag coming down in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever people thought about that, there were Christians who agreed with the fact that the Confederate flag was coming down. Mm-hmm. And there were Christians who disagreed with it. Right. Right. What I was honed in on at the time was that it was the result of mob rule. Mm. It was the result of people getting together and deciding collectively, this triggers me. I hate this hateful symbol. Therefore, it should be removed. Mm -hmm. Now, so with that in mind, I wrote an article where I explored what will happen in the future. (laughs) Boy, I wish I were wrong. What will happen in the future? When there are other symbols that people get together around and they say, those symbols are offensive to me. By my definition, those symbols are hateful. I think those symbols need to be removed. They need to be changed. They need to be scrubbed. They need to be ignored. All right. This is what I this is what I wanted to explore. All right. And here is what I wrote. I'm going to read to you just a little bit of what I wrote back in 2015. I'll pick up with the second paragraph of this article. I'm one. I'm quoting myself here. Okay, I'm wondering what people will do with the widely distributed text that the Christians read, which tell them marriage is between one man and one woman. You know, the one the clients quote as their basis for not baking that poor innocent couple a wedding cake, the one that tells children to also honor their parents, etc. I'm out of my mind to speak like this, and I'm going to pick up on the other side of the break with the out of my mind part because I'm sure you all want to hear that. (laughs) we are here all right we're here and we'll keep building this case Aaron the Addison on American Family Radio we'll take a quick break we'll come right back and get into the thick of it so please stay right there Warning, it's easy to mock if you've never seen it pouring. They like, we've never seen rain before. They hear you come saying God sent us gonna pour, so we choose our way and reject. You're listening to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio mm-hmm. Network. Thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate it. I'm Miki, and I'm Will, and that's Gabriel Parker with Mocking Word. Mm-hmm. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. Try to move quickly through this uh, information so that we can uh, have you talk back to us and let, let us know what you're thinking uh, uh, about the conversation. We are here today to say that we were wrong, dot, 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 about the narrative to be used. Um, <laughs> about five years ago, I wrote an article where I was observing what had happened in South Carolina um, as the Confederate flag was taken down from a federal building there. 
And it was the result of mob rule. Now you can say, okay, wait, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to take this. We're going to bring out the color guard and all of this. And we're going to have a ceremony and, and it's going to be nice. And everybody's going to, you know, but the result of it really was, okay, but first somebody tried to climb up there and somebody tried to pull it down and there's mob, right? <laughs> um, and so how, how do we clean this up? I think was the, the predicament that, uh, that Nikki Haley found herself in. And so my thing was looking at this like, hmm, this is really interesting and I'm not defending the waving of the Confederate flag at all. And again, I'm willing to have a conversation with anyone. Um, first and foremost, I, you know, I need to know if you're in the faith or not. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that's going to help me uh, know what I'm dealing with. Uh, but I'm willing to have a conversation with anybody about that. My question was the method in which it was done and the use of force and, and saying this is a hate filled symbol and it has to come down. Yeah. And, and so, you know, as I was looking at that, um, I, I was drawing some parallels to where I, I thought we might we might be headed yeah. in this country. <laughs> uh, of course, I could not foresee the summer of love and all the things that oh were going goodness. on um, right. where offensive symbols and monuments and all of these things are just being pulled down, just being ripped down. Um, but uh, but when you read the word of God and you understand sinful man, you understand his nature. And then, of course, you understand a lot of the um, the agenda that is always bubbling beneath the surface. We're talking about. Um, philosophical positions that necessarily have to see the destruction of this country. This, this country has to topple for these destructive philosophies to reign supreme. And so when you know all of that, you look at these little pockets, these little outbreaks, you say, we're on the way. Mm. We are on the way. Yeah. And, 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 and so here we are now, fast forward. Well, actually, no, still in rewind mode because I want to look, continue looking at this article that I wrote in uh, July of 2015, Found it on the stand, you know, went searching back. I was like, man, I think I wrote about this a while back. And boom, there it is. And so so I'm going to pick up with uh, <laughs> I'm going to pick up with quoting myself. Um, I know it sounds weird, but it's it, it really is a setup. All right. So for what we're going to talk about ultimately. So so I'm going to pick up here. I'm out of my mind to speak like this. This is what I wrote in 2015. But what if someone were to attack a group of homosexuals who were meeting together and subsequent to the crime, it was discovered that he or she had some Bibles at home. What if those Bibles were collected as evidence and it was discovered that there were certain passages highlighted? You know, the ones I'm talking about. How long would it take for the Bible to be forcibly scrubbed of all offensive references? When would we no longer be allowed to quote it publicly? How long would it take for it to be removed from federal property all across the country? Would there be a ceremony with the color guard? Would Christians turn out in droves to weep? Um, Would we be outnumbered by rainbow clad protesters chanting love wins? What museum? Okay, what museum would historic copies of the Bible be carted off to? Who would pay to see that historical book? I'm going to jump down a little bit further in the article where I get to what I'm suggesting. Here's what I'm suggesting. The offensive symbols you remove may just be your own. Mm. That that has been my position for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. All right. I I used to say this tongue in cheek. I used to say, <laughs> stop the rights you save may be your own. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you need to think about it. Like there are certain things we don't like that people do and say. 
There are certain things that bother us, but we have to understand that we live in this wonderful experiment called the United States of America, where we should still be defending people's rights to do and say those things that bother us because those rights are the same rights we enjoy. Mm. Right. So like, I'm not trying to control the way you think there are things that I go, man, I, you know, yeah, I wish you thought differently about that. Okay. I wish you didn't, you know. But I I like being able to disagree with you. I like that you live in the type of country where you can say that. And I can say, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. I like that. (laughs) I I mean, I like that. I I don't like having to go to a manual to (laughs) learn what I can and cannot say. I don't like that. And so because I don't like that, then I support that you can say things and wave flags and do the things that you want on your property or whatever, that we have a process for if we don't like how things are, then we, we have a method for how we change those things. It's not by rob mo- uh, uh, mob rule. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just wisdom. Yeah. That's, just, that's just the way things should be. But we have so declined and we have, man, and I'm, look, good grief. Christians, you know, I, <laughs> you know, not to sound like Viola Davis from The Help, which that's a, that's a current event right there, talking like point, that. Viola. She's sad about that. Uh, I just want to say to the Christians, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of not fighting back? Aren't you tired of not using your weapons? They're not carnal. Like, I, I just want to say, aren't you tired? You know? Like, don't you, you know, like Will, you say all the time, man, we should get tired of taking the L's. Like, the Christians right, keep man. taking the L's when we've been set up to win. Right. Right. We've been set up to win. There's no reason we should be losing so much ground. So so here we go. So I, I, I'm looking at this five years ago, right, in real time. And, and, and my point was the offensive symbols that you remove may be your own. And, and here's ultimately where I'm going to end with that. And then we're going to fast forward to, to 2020. All right. Um, make sure the things you fight for, for are eternally focused and not self-interested. Make sure the things that you fight for, this was my encouragement back in 2015, make sure the things that you fight for are eternally focused and not self-interested. Maybe the flag needed to go. Maybe it didn't. Each person has already decided that, right? But you must listen closely to the argument. This is what I was saying in 2015. I'm, I'm reading this article, 2015. Hear clearly the positions and the justifications for why swift actions were necessary. In other words, I don't like that. That makes me mad. I feel upset. That is hateful. It must be removed, scrubbed from our culture. It must be removed from our society. Now, that was in 2015. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, one of the things that I, you know, we, we, well, I'll, I'll just move on. So, so Will the Great sent me this article, another present of his, <laughs> um, you know, regularly. And this article is written by a Reverend Edlin Cowley, who is pastor of Fellowship United Methodist Church in Trophy Club, Texas, uh, near Dallas. All right. And this is what he says <laughs> in the article. All right. The headline the title of the article is it's time for the cross and the flame to go. You know, the Methodist symbol, Mm -hmm. the cross and the flame. Now, the temptation for anybody listening is to run straight ahead to like, that's really dumb. Don't you know what the cross and the flame stand for? (laughs) But let us take our time with this. Don't be like Will. 
<laughs> Will <laughs> likes to run up to the story yeah, and man, just I'm get like, to the end. He's like, we don't need a lot of fly, <laughs> flowery words. Let's just be over with this, Come okay? On, um, but let us take our time with this because I want to draw some parallels here. And I want to show you that how we get here is through opinion, is through anecdote, is through narrative, is through storytelling. Whereby you'll have this Reverend Edlin Cowley even tell you the history of this symbol. He will tell you what it means. But then immediately <laughs> following say, but none of that matters, it Jack. Matter, it only matters how I feel. Mm-hmm. It only matters what I think about the symbol. And watch him because he's got the narrative. He's got the opinion. He's got the science of storytelling. to back it up right now at this point before we go into this article i want to just remind you (laughs) proverbs 18 2 all right proverbs 18 2 a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion that is like the tattoo of our culture today all right that everybody's got that on their forearm i mean that that is the tattoo of our culture today no pleasure in understanding I don't want to know. I don't I don't want to understand. I just want to get stuff off my chest. <laughs> and then better than that, I want you to agree with me. Yeah. I want you to submit to what I've just said buy it full hog and now act accordingly. Mm. All right. That's that's the tattoo of our culture today. That's what that's replaced mom. Everybody's getting that. I don't know. Mom probably got replaced a little bit. <laughs> yeah, sooner. I think so. Sorry, mom. Yeah. Um, anyway, whatever it is, you understand <laughs> that's that's what's tattooed across people's forearms today. So here we go. Back to this article. Time for the cross and the flame to go. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm going to be quoting from this article at length and it's necessary. All right. This is how it starts. Guys, I can't make it up for you. This is how it starts. Quote. I saw my first burning cross in 1979 when I was 10 years old. It was night. My family and I were on our way to Shreveport, Louisiana, from the parsonage of Miles Memorial Christian Methodist Episcopal Church in Marshall, Texas, where my dad was pastor. We were comfortably talking and riding along when to our right, my mother pointed out a large burning cross just off the freeway. My mother told my brother, sister and me that the burning cross was a powerful image devised to evoke fear in black people. Let me let me stop there. I'm going to pause in quoting him here, reading from his article. Please notice it's not accidental. It is by design. This is how this philosophy works, that it is storytelling. It is narrative. So now what is supposed to happen is that for every single reader, as you start, you're immediately sucked back to 1979, which is a great year. It's a great year. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're immediately sucked back into 1979. And you see these frightened children with their mom and dad driving down the interstate. All right. And all of a sudden, what do they see? This large, looming, burning cross. And they have to get a lesson in the fact that, you know what? Hold on a second. You're black. All right. And this is a sign of threat and intimidation. And you need to know what this means. So now before you read anything else that the reverend has to say. The first thing that has already happened to you is that you've been given your emotions. 
You've already been told how to feel about this because he's already set it up with his experience. Mm. He's already set it up with his narrative, with his opinion, with his science of storytelling. All right. So there's no other possible way you can think about this. You, logic has no place here. I just told you I saw a burning cross when I was 10. <laughs> right. Logic has no place here. Intellect, check it at the door. Hang it up. It's not welcomed. He goes on in this article. He says, um, basically, he talks about this being something that he's never forgotten, right? Which I can imagine that if mm-hmm. that had been something that I had seen, I mean, that's, right. uh, yeah, pff, I'd never forget that. Right. I'd never forget that. There are many things that I've seen. I, I have never forgotten that. You understand right. what I'm saying? You, all kinds of things happen in life. You go, man, that's seared in my mind, okay? He says, it was years later after I left the CME church and joined the United Methodist Church with my wife in January of 1992 that I saw the United Methodist Church cross and flame insignia. And thought to myself, that is interesting. (laughs) I'm going to continue on. But when I saw the United Methodist cross in flame, I didn't think of John Wesley's heart being strangely warmed. I didn't think of the flaming tongues of fire resting on the apostles in Acts 2. I didn't think of how each tongue of the flame represents the former denominations that came together to form the United Methodist Church, the Evangelical United Brethren and the Methodist Church. My mind went back to that burning cross I saw on the side of the freeway, a symbol my mother told me was devised to cause fear in black people. Pause. (laughs) When I saw the cross in the flame, my focus was immediately on me. Mm. Okay. Well, that's a discipleship opportunity. Mm. <laughs> Come here, Reverend. I mean, that's you. We can we we can work on that. We can work on that. All right. So the fact that you have this me-centric thought of this insignia, this symbol, is a problem that we can. Let's have a conversation around it. But notice this, people. Notice that he flawlessly lays out the meaning of the symbol in right. his own article. Right. You don't. Just for effect for a second. Just for effect, everybody. You don't even got to go to Wikipedia on this. <laughs> he tells you. you. He you tells you. You know, like so many people, you saw this article and you're like, wait, what's the history of the... You Don't don't worry about it. The Rav's got <laughs> it's <right> you. Here. <laughs> it's right here. I got it for you. I know the history. But that's not what we care about. Mm. We don't care about the logic. We don't care about a reasonable conversation. We just care about our anecdotes, just our stories and just our emotions and just our feelings. They shall rule the day when I can clearly lay out to you the meaning behind these symbols, but still work my way through a lengthy little article, three pages where I tell you, but none of that matters. What matters is that I was whipped back to 1979. What matters is that I became that frightened little black boy riding with my parents where I had to have it explained to me that this is a sign of threat and intimidation and you must fear it all your life. You must fear it all your life. This, this right here is like the premier example of what critical race theory does. Do you understand what I'm saying? It incapacitates people for an intellectual conversation. You can't have it. It's impossible because you're not trained to have that kind of conversation. You're trained to have an emotional conversation. You're trained to have a conversation that's driven by opinion. 
Back to this article. Over the years, I have even had the occasion to joke with other African-Americans about the cross and the flame. But those jokes have never been funny. They have been more of a wink and a nod to the rationalization that the narrative of the cross and the flame is powerful and impactful, no matter how any African-American clergy or layperson feel about it. In other words, I've, I've been triggered by this for a long time. Because hmm. when we bring it up about, you know, the cross and the flame, people are like, wait, hold on a second. This, this is about the spirit of God and the work <laughs> of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we have to just accept that. Well, this reverend is saying not anymore. Today is the day that this symbol has got to go. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's uh, Stephen Malcolm and Natalie Grant. Even louder. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. Uh, we'll do our best to get to some calls today. Um, but I, I do want to go back to this article and kind of finish up mm-hmm. um, the point that I'm making here. And, then, and we'll just kind of see how everything shakes out. Um, this reverence, uh, again, I'm reading the article. It's time for the cross and the flame to go. This is a Methodist uh, minister, Reverend Edlin Cowley. Um, who pastors uh, a church called Fellowship United Methodist Church and Trophy Club, Texas, uh, near near Dallas. And he starts with his emotions and his anecdotes as to why um, the cross and the flame as the insignia for the United Methodist Church has to go. Mm-hmm. And um, as we were talking about yesterday, um, you know, logic, intellect, uh, reason doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just emotions. It's just how you how you feel. Um you know, when you see things yeah. or how you feel when you experience things. And it doesn't matter if those things are widely experienced or if it really is sort of like, you know, um, an epidemic or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Or it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. The logic doesn't matter, I guess, is the point that I'm ultimately making, which I've said. What matters is just how you feel about it. Um, I'm suggesting these are the types of things that we have to reject. Now, look, I don't want people to use this as an excuse to not empathize with people who suffer. Right. I don't want people to use this as an excuse because there's people who, you know, well, you know, that girl Mika said we have <laughs> to reject. No, what what I'm saying is this, because here's the thing, man, I, and I'm, you know, I'm making I'm making yeah. some huge assumptions. No, I'm, because these, you know, like these these type of arguments, I think they can be very slippery where, where people can say, well, you know, if you're advocate, if you're advocating, it, it may sound like uh, you're advocating for this guy's feelings and all this stuff that he has really genuinely felt that that is not valid at all, you know, and people try to make those same connections like with flags, you know, state flags with rebel flags. And they say, wait, hey, we can show you the history, you know, um, and we have this and that. This is why we fly this flag. or This is why we do this. And it and, and it's based upon states rights It's based upon the leaders being they, they were Christians and, and things like that. And, and for you to take this down, you know, what about what about all those facts? You know, I, you want to you want to give me specifics, because if somebody says that to me, then I'm going to say you give me specifics. So so basically what you're saying is mm-hmm. um, 
it seems that I have become an apologist for cross burning. That's what you're saying. <laughs> you're saying I'm defending. Is that what you're saying, Wilbert? You're saying that. <laughs> you're saying that. <laughs> I, I mean, you. you know. You're saying that I'm different. That I'm defending. I'm saying that someone may be saying that. I'm not saying that I'm saying that, but I'm saying that no, someone I, cause you're, may be I know you're that. too wise. I would not be married to you if you were saying that. No, that's, I mean, I probably would. We just have to talk about it, but work through it, get some counseling. Um, no, because that's overly simplistic. Like, that is not at all what I'm saying. Listen, if the symbol were founded to be a symbol that was cross-burning, mm-hmm. then we have no need for this conversation. <laughs> and I almost kind of believe that the Methodists would have done away with it a long time ago right. if that's how it were actually founded. But that's not what this is. That's not how it was founded. This is not a conversation over do we break off from the United States of America to protect slavery? True. Check check not, the founding documents. Not the same conversation. Check the founding documents. Okay, <laughs> this is not. And, I, man, you know, look, I don't want to have this conversation right now as mm-hmm. a black woman. Mm-hmm. I want to have this conversation as a Christian. Amen. I Can agree. we do that? Like I, I don't agree. because so often these things get dismissed and they get caught up in like oh, which is why I'm saying reason has to rule. Mm-hmm. Reason has sound reason has to rule the day. I can I can say as a black woman that if you lay out to me what the insignia means, then why are you writing this, sir? Right. Why? Why? Why are we here? This but, is not the same conversation. And I, and I brought that up because I can hear people saying, "Well, I can lay out what this meant, the Confederacy meant." Like from their angle, they'll say, "Like it was not about slavery. It was about." And I know that's, but I could see them making people making that connection and saying, "Hey." But it's that's the, not what the founding documents even say, Will. I don't right. I just don't understand how you can and I I so desperately didn't want this to turn into that conversation because <laughs> I think that deserves a whole show if you want to do that. We and can again, circle back another day. I want the backdrop to be for Christians. Yeah. For Christians to have this conversation. Look, I can tell you, I can tell you that within the black power movement, they had some people <laughs> who did not support killing indiscriminately police officers. Yeah. In the black power movement, there are some people who serve breakfast. The There's some Panthers, people who yeah. set up schools and things like that. They did some great things in the yeah. black power movement. But you think that I'm going to fly a black fist over my house <laughs> for you to come visit me? You're my brother, my sister, and the Lord. Man, and and the point. associations that are overwhelmingly made with that is yeah. that you have, to, you have to squash, quote unquote, white power. But w- really, w- what is unspoken is the whites who carry the power. All right? Mm. You know, I mean, look... Huh? Colin Kaepernick's been doing his research. He knows what these movements were about. Oh, he, yeah. oh, yeah. and, and, and he's trying to bring it to 21st century. Right. And, and it's been wild. Man, it's it has taken root because yeah. the church is in a weakened state. Come on. It has taken root because the church is in a weakened state. So my question is, mm-hmm. if I invite if you're like, just for the sake of current popular conversation, guys, look, we don't okay. I don't know how to come on. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know how to do it. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> All right. But if you're white and you're coming over to my house Mm -hmm. and I got a black power fist flying over my front door. Yeah. And you're my my sister in the Lord and we're going to sit down for coffee. And you're like, oh, okay, Oh, okay. What am I? What am I? What am I saying to you? I'm black power. I'm sure it would be jolting. I'm sure it would be pretty jolting. So guess what? I'm not taking that down because a state requires me to take that down. 
Mm. I don't need a state to require me to take that down. I got a higher authority that is the word of God. So if there is something that causes my brother, my sister to stumble, mm-hmm. I can justify it all I want. And look, and I'm, I'm so grateful because we have white brothers and sisters who have said this about their history, deeply rooted history in the Confederacy and what the Holy Spirit of God began to reveal to them about what they were holding on to. So I don't need to be black to feel this way. Guys, this conversation is not about the color of our skin. Mm. This conversation is for Christians in the body of Christ. How now do we live since we have professed Christ? Do we have a higher allegiance to Christ than to anything? I mean, man, if I could just, if I could just, (laughs) if I could just tell people, you understand, look, I, I'm, I'm way too busy. Me personally, this is Mika. All right. (laughs) I'm way too busy to be triggered by the kinds of flags that people fly out in front of their businesses. And let me tell you, I drive by some almost every day on my way to my own home. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I see, I see them put out freshly. (laughs) (laughs) They start to get tattered and they're, and they're not the American flag. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. All right. But you think that I'm going to, you think that I have the kind of energy to invest in, Hey, you need to take that down. You know what? It causes me to feel pity. I feel I feel pity because I'm like, wow, you know, that's that's a that's a clear doubling down here. Yeah. This is what my message is. But this is not the conversation that I'm having today. Agreed. This is not what I'm saying. And I and I don't want people to miss the conversation. Oh, I think it's clear be, now. Because of <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because of any color element. Yes. This is not this is not about the black man, so to speak triggered by the the cross and the flame this is about logic being checked at the door and we can't bring it into a conversation Mm -hmm. you understand what i'm saying Mm -hmm. now listen the united methodist and and one other point i want to i want to make about this here all right the united methodist probably will change this symbol because one of the things that the good reverend does in this article is he plays to the United Methodist desire to be inclusive and welcoming. They already been bowing down in other areas. That's exactly my point. That is, that is exactly my point. So now the cross and the flame, the fire, of the Holy spirit. All right. This is offensive. This is offensive, right? This illustration again, as, as with much of the conversation we have on issues, this illustration predates the United States of America, period. Mm. It predates Methodism, all right? It predates the Wesleys. Like, this is, this is the kind of conversation that somebody, you know, you know, maybe in a Priscilla and Aquila type fashion, need to take Apollos aside <laughs> and say, listen, brother, you know, you're great at communicating. All right. And, and you've made you made some you made some great points up in there, Apollos. <laughs> but can we tell you there is a more excellent man. way? Let me let me let me you tell would you would hope that. that would happen. But man, it, man, I would I don't think it would happen in this atmosphere, this environment. All right. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Um, we can go to the phone lines. We already have a call queued up. People have it on speed dial. They're like, I want to say something. Um, 888-589-8840. We'll see if we can get maybe one or two calls in. Um, this grieves me though. It it grieves me. And and I hope that it's very clear here. This is not a conversation 
I'm not driving these conversations based on the color of my skin. My first and foremost allegiance is to Christ. That's my, that's my first and foremost allegiance is not to the color of my skin. Amen. It's not to my ethnicity or my culture. It's to Jesus Christ because he paid the ultimate price that I could be identified with him. You see, that that was not automatic. That cost something for me to be identified with Christ. So, of course, I make much of him. Amen. I can't buy my skin color naturally. Like, I, didn't, I mean, that's, <laughs> I don't have any investment in that. And I love it. I mean, it's fine. You understand? But that's I didn't know. Jesus paid for me to be affiliated with him. I'm going to make much of him. As much as I can. Amen. That's that gets top billing in my life. Will the great. Where do we go first? All right. Let's go to Chris in Texas. Hi, Chris. Hi. God bless y'all. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. I, I feel like the Southern people have uh, Southern pride and they like the Confederate battle flag and taking it down is, is kind of hurting them. But let's just cut to the chase. Um, New York City had riots way back when, and they called it a draft riot, but it's really a race riot. The Word of God says there's only one race. So let's just cut it all with the sword and, mm. and cut all the arguments and just say there's only one race because that's what God says. I agree Amen. with you, Chris. I agree with you. Like, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to add to that. And I, and I hope that, and I hope that what is not confusing is that for the sake of this conversation, Sometimes that gets lost in translation. We believe that 110% years ago, it was Will the Great, and I, and I followed his lead on this because I thought it was excellent, started saying we need to move away from using the term racism and we need to call it what the Bible calls it, Bible terms to describe Bible symptoms. Amen. It's partiality. So I agree with you, Chris. Thank you so much for your calls. 100%, I agree with you. Okay, Amen. where do we go next? Okay, let's go to Jordan in Virginia. Hi, Jordan. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing good. Hello. Awesome. Um, I just wanted to comment a little on that uh, the the cross and the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for your your description of the whole Confederate flag issue um, and how we should be approaching it as Christians. This is the first time I've ever heard anyone outside of my immediate circle explain it that way, mm-hmm. which I totally agree with, and that's how I try and explain it. So thank you for that. Um, but I think it all comes down to, to so much more than just, you know, the like you said, I mean, it's, it's a symptom of a, a deeper thing. And, uh, you know, Terry Crews just posted something about how we need to defund, defund Pornhub and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I couldn't be more in agreement. And it's, you know, we hear about the silent majority of people who are going to vote for Trump. You know, it, it shouldn't be that silent majority. It should be the silent majority that is us Christians. Christians are the silent majority right now. We're not standing up. We're not mm. talking. Mm. And that, that, that is more of a symptom of, of an issue that we have than anything else. If, if Christians aren't standing up mm-hmm. for the truth, and if we're not actually out promoting the gospel, how can we expect not to see these things happen, you know? Yeah. Oh, Jordan, man, those yeah. are those are excellent points. Yeah. I mean, and, and that kind of gets back to what I was saying just a few minutes ago. Like, aren't you tired? Right. You know, aren't you, we have, we, shake we have, like, what did Flame on. say? Flame say we had the winning hand. Right. Jesus set us up to win. We've got the winning hand. All of the Christians should kind of be smirking because we're like, we know, right. we know. Right. But instead, man, we've been overrun by the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Well, I didn't mean to step on you there. You were going to say No, something. I said that, that goes back to the shaking. We need to be yes. shaking. And this is shaking us. Let's try to squeeze in one more call. Will All right. Let's go to David in Georgia. Hi, David. 
Hey, uh, I really appreciate uh, you, uh, Will and Mickey. You have discernment that God has gifted gifted you with, and you're using it. Uh, I'm white and I'm Southern, and I have some really uh, close black friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this flag, uh, uh, some people use the Confederate flag for hate. Some few do, some few, but not not most of us don't. You know, well, uh, uh, my. Uh, grandparent, great grandparents was in the Civil War. We never owned slaves. They never did, and uh, we've always loved black people and get along with them. And I enjoy them and work have worked with them too. And they, well, I worked with some at a, at a plant, assembly plant, and uh, they would stand up for me if we ever got in a fight. And I would stand up for them if they was in a fight. So, Man, God bless uh, you, David. I'm, I'm sorry yeah. to jump in here. We're coming to the last few seconds of the show. I tell you what, if tomorrow it's pressing, you want to call back in and finish up your comments, we'll allow you time to do that. But we are out of time for today, and I appreciate all of our callers joining in the discussion. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.